Wisdom. Every time I utter wisdom, somebody giggles or sneers. Those are the words of Dr. Neil Burton, philosopher, psychologist from Oxford, writing in Psychology Today. He says that wisdom does not sit comfortably in our society. Wisdom in an age dominated by science and technology, by specialization and compartmentalization, it is too loose, it's too grand, and too mysterious a concept. With our heads in our smartphones and tablets, in our bills and bank statements, we simply do not have the time or mental space for it. Is that okay? How much time do you think about accumulating wisdom in your life? How much thought have you given to think about the difference it would make to you and your family if you valued wisdom and tried to develop it further in your life? Is wisdom peripheral to Christian faith or is it central? This summer, we're going to be going through the book of Proverbs and it's one of the wisdom literature books in the Old Testament. It consists of 31 chapters, and the first nine are like a father putting his arm around his son, and he wants to impart to him his best lessons. The rest of the book of Proverbs is mostly little short truths. Think of like a proverbial Twitter account on all kinds of subjects of life. They are not promises, but general statements that generally work in life to make your life better. And that would be good for us, wouldn't it? You know, we're all bombarded by opportunities in our life, and we have to make choices. Ultimately, regardless of what we say, what we really value expresses itself in the way we spend our time, our energy, and what consumes our thought life. Unashamedly, Proverbs is telling us to go for wisdom. How do we do that? Well, let's look at Proverbs 2 today. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. As you heard that passage, maybe you took note of words like understanding, knowledge, insight. Wisdom is the accumulation of these things with discretion. As we go through the series, we're going to define wisdom as God's perspective, especially God's perspective applied. When we obtain wisdom, it's like we get God's eternal big picture so that we can make sound decisions and live out those decisions in the snapshot of our lives today. And because of that, our lives go better because wisdom is from God. Pursue wisdom, pursue God. In Central Heights, our vision statement is about a movement of more and growing followers of Jesus, developing healthy churches for the glory of God and the flourishing of our city and the world. More and growing followers of Jesus. What that means really is that we are growing to be more and more like Jesus. And Jesus was wise. We are told that even as a child, he grew in stature and wisdom. In Colossians 2, it talks about how Jesus, in him, dwelt the fullness of wisdom and knowledge. Pursue wisdom, pursue Jesus. If you're pursuing Jesus, you're pursuing 
wisdom. And there's a side benefit to this that is not insignificant. Think about what our world is experiencing. Like we have a common experience globally, the challenges that we are facing, and we need wisdom. The more our leaders have wisdom, the more that people in general have wisdom, the better our world will be for it. Pursue wisdom, pursue flourishing. Now, how we go about that is mapped out for us in Proverbs chapter two, and it presents it to us in a form of if then. So if A happens, then B will follow. So if we flatten the curve further with this pandemic, then our government will be able to move us to phase four. If I clean out my garage, then I will be able to park my car in it. And wisdom? Well, Proverbs chapter two gives us three if scenarios that precede the obtaining of what we want, God's wisdom. If number one, verse one, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, my son, if you receive my words. Now, God's word comes to us sometimes as a word of affirmation. We're reading God's word, and, and even in the Old Testament, we see about God's perspective with his people, and he tells them that you're the apple of my eye, meaning like you're, you're, you matter so much to me. But you think, well, that can't be true of me. Are you going to believe God's word? Are you going to receive it and welcome it? We're told in the New Testament that we are adopted as God's children. But your self-talk talks to you about, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanted. I'm worthless. What are you going to receive? Are you going to receive God's word in that situation? The spirit-inspired word of God that tells you you are one of his adopted children? My son, receive my words and store up my commandments. As we read God's story uh, in the Bible, we, we get a picture of what God is like and what he has done for us. And, you know, it demands a response. And, and by God's grace, we have not been left to ourselves to figure out how do we respond to a God who is so amazing like this? God has shown us. He's shown us how to respond. And, and some of those responses come to us in the form of commandments. This is part of God's grace to us. So instead of being put off by the idea of having to obey God, think of them as a bridge that we walk over into the fuller life that God has for us. My son, receive my words. Treasure up my commandments. Making your ear attentive to wisdom. That word attentive, a contrast to that would be like bored, disinterested, distracted. Think about how your week was last week as I think about mine. Like, how much attention did I really give to the idea of wisdom? In Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is pictured as a woman who's at the most strategic places in society. She's at the roadway crossroads. She's at the city gates. And she's pictured as calling out to people. Like, I've got something here for you. I've got wisdom for you. And of course, the question to those who are reading and hearing this is, will I make space for that? Will I value what she has to say enough to listen? Make your ear attentive, the writer says. Incline your heart to understanding. The word heart, we look at it in North America, we understand it to be emotions, and sometimes you hear the phrase, follow your heart. Well, I think the heart is great in the back seat as a cheerleader for something, but not necessarily a good driver. In Hebrew thought, 
The heart represented emotions, yes, but more than that. It represented thought and mind. And so the writer is saying, take all of that, your emotions, your way of thinking, and direct it by your will to incline it to God's understanding and wisdom. If you will do this. If number two, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Now there's a poetic device that Proverbs uses a lot called parallelism. A statement is put out there, and then another statement is put beside it using different words, but basically expressing the same meaning. The idea is to double or multiply the impact of those words. The writer here tells us to call out for insight. If you're calling out for something, you have to recognize that you don't have the answer within yourself. If you're calling out to God, what that means is you realize that humanity does not have the answer for what I'm looking for. And it leads to this, prayer. Because prayer connects us to the wisdom of God. And apparently we should ask for it. We read in James chapter 5 in the New Testament, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God. That's right. When's the last time you asked God for wisdom in the situation you're in? Was it the last resort? When was the last time you screamed at God asking for wisdom? The writer here is telling us to get loud in our request for wisdom. I mean, this is so un-Canadian, right? Loud prayer. I've been intrigued by this because I value prayer. And as I prayed with people from other cultures and even other streams of Christianity here in Canada, and I've seen how they're far less reserved than you and I are. In Hebrews chapter 5, we see that to pray in a loud manner is really to follow in the example of Jesus. There we're told, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. I'm going to encourage you to try this. Now, you may not want to do it at home in front of, you know, your family or whatever. They may have think you've lost it. Maybe sometime when you're in your car and you're thinking about wisdom and, and how you need God's perspective, lift up your voice. Call out to him for understanding. If number three, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, Proverbs now is expressing value in, in terms that we can really understand, materialism and money. Think about what people will do for money, how they'll, you know, they'll work on a holiday so they can make double time. They'll move to a location they don't like so that they can make more money in a new job. Uh, people will sacrifice uh, their time. They'll sell their bodies. They'll sell their integrity. They'll lie, cheat, steal sometimes in order to have more money. They'll wear themselves out. Well, Proverbs is telling us that that doesn't work. It doesn't last. Proverbs tweets a lot about the value of wisdom. So much supersedes that. We read in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Proverbs 8, verse 10, Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Now, there, there's no doubt that money and materialism is, is attractive. You heard of the phrase, though, that money can't buy happiness. But I think a lot of us, you know, we'd like to at least test that out. 
See, with money, and especially lots of it, comes all kinds of opportunities and choices and comforts. And when you add all that up, we're inclined to think that that leads to a better way of life. So we should really go for that, right? We should really go after it. Gary Vaynerchuk, he's the CEO of a company called uh, VaynerMedia, and, and they do all kinds of, uh, they do, they're a full-scale ad, advertising agency for the largest companies in the United States. He's working with very wealthy people. I heard him in an interview uh, recently where Gary Vee, as he's called, talked about uh, people that are, that are wealthy and, and for some of them, how they just hate life. You see, in his own words, materialism doesn't cut it. Stuff is just makeup and band-aids for unhappiness. Proverbs is telling us there is something much better to go for in our lives than materialism and money. The quality of life that money materialism promises but can't deliver can only be found in a growing relationship with God characterized by wisdom. Now, as we saw in 1 Peter in our series there, this does not mean that we won't have a life where we experience suffering and difficulty. What it does mean is that in our experience of wisdom, we have a quality of life that no suffering and no circumstance can remove from us. So go after it. Search it out as for a hidden treasure. More than 10 years ago, a man named Forrest Fenn uh, hid a treasure in the Rocky Mountains somewhere between Santa Fe and the Canadian border. He was a millionaire art dealer, and he put within this treasure chest gold nuggets and precious gems valued at somewhere around $2 million. The only clues to this treasure were found in a self-published book uh, that he wrote called The Thrill of the Chase, and in there, there was a poem and a map that were the clues to the treasure. Now, maybe you've heard of this because the treasure was discovered recently, but there were over a quarter of a million people that had given themselves to, to chase after this treasure, some with great obsession, so much so that some risked their lives and reportedly four people died. Proverbs illustrates that we need to have that kind of obsession with the wisdom of God that we'd go after it like a person searching for a hidden treasure. If we'll do that, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is the goal. This is the, the Holy Grail, the Stanley Cup, the prize. Not something materialistic. It's a relationship with God. Now, we're going to unpack next week the fear of the Lord, but know this. It's to have a growing relationship characterized by wisdom with the God, the God who created all things, the, the mastermind behind all that is, the God who put the stars and set them in place, who put the oceans in place and set the boundaries that they cannot pass, the God who created all the systems of life and created life itself, the God who we discovered with all that power, all that wisdom, all that knowledge, is also a God of love who not only made life, but gave his life away for you and me. Holy fear, awesome privilege. If, if we'll receive his words, if we'll treasure up his commandments, if we'll make our ears attentive, if we will incline our hearts, if we'll call out, raise our voices, if we'll seek it as silver, search for it as hidden treasure, if, then, then all these things. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. 
From what I can see from the scripture, it's like God is promising this as a sure deal. The word of God tells us in both the Old Testament and the New, no one who puts their trust in God will ever be ashamed. Jesus said, if you will ask and keep on asking, like you're going to receive. If you'll seek and keep on seeking, you are going to find. And notice how in this search, there's a certain quality of attitude and character. There's evidence, there's uprightness, there's integrity. They're even called saints, which is, comes from a word which talks about a covenant kind of keeping faithfulness of love. But nowhere in this is, is it that, well, if we just do enough of the right things that we will somehow earn God's wisdom? No, it says God gives wisdom. This is a gift of grace. And the scripture shows us that God delights so much to do this that he stores it up for us. Now, I've got uh, some grandchildren, and so in my house in my basement, I have a chest, a wooden chest in which I've put all kinds of toys for them to play with. And I find it just so exciting when they come over to my place, like you can see it in their eyes. You know, they're happy to see me. But very quickly, their eyes start to turn to the stairs that go down because what do they want to do? They want to go to that treasure chest and explore what's in there. That's a picture of God. In James chapter 1, verse 5, again, we read, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him generously. In other words, it's, and he does that without scolding. In other words, God is not pictured as a God who says, man, you idiot. Why are you asking me again? No, he's pictured as a father who understands that we are children that sometimes just don't know what to do. We don't know our way. And it's his delight to give us the wisdom that he has stored up for us. Then, then God has a treasure house for us. And what's also amazing about this is it doesn't matter where you're at, like in your walk with God. Um, this wisdom is for you, whether you're starting in faith or whether you've been a Christian for a long period of time. We read in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, that means the unacquainted or unlearned, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Maybe you are watching, listening today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so in a sense, you're the unlearned, the unacquainted. As, as, as you give yourself to want to know God's wisdom, he's, he's very quickly going to lead you to Jesus Christ, in whom is the source of all wisdom. That what he's done for you is like the gateway into the riches, the storehouse of treasures of wisdom and relationship with God that he has for you. And the writer here pictures, you know, different stages of physical maturity, but it really could be thought of as spiritual maturity. Maybe you're a youth in your maturity with God. You've been a Christian for uh, an, a few years, and no matter what place you're in, and you need some wisdom, you're in a relationship, and you don't know what to do about it, what kind of decision to make. Well, he's going to give you discretion. He's going to give you knowledge if you come to him and ask him for it. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Well, you're not done. God says, let the wise increase in knowledge and understanding. God has stored that up for you. It's a picture that all of us are on this journey of lifelong learning on our relationship with God. This is what God has for us. This is his picture for us. Imagine how much better. Imagine what our lives would be like in our own personal lives, in our family, in our church, if we had this bent to spend time with God in his word and prayer with a desire to get his perspective on all things. 
This is what Proverbs is trying to coach us, to challenge us towards. This is not trivial. You, you cannot hear these words and just let them fall off your ears and, and go wherever they want to go because that's what happens when we're deceived. That's what happens when we're foolish. No, for what Proverbs, Proverbs is encouraging us towards, we're going to have to make some, some decisions. You can only go after hard one thing. You can only listen at one time for one thing. Multitasking doesn't work. There's one thing that's going to grab your attention that you're going to focus on. Proverbs is encouraging, make it God. Make it his wisdom, his way. Are you willing to do that? Make it priority one with urgency and passion. Then, Proverbs says, then. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Then, then you're going to have understanding of something our world so desperately needs right now. Righteousness refers to right and equitable, fair relationships with one another and a right standing with God. Justice refers to actual activity that corrects injustice so that relationships can be fair and equitable. All this works together for the flourishing, the good of our world. And it works together good for you. Have you ever made a decision that you later regretted, caused you harm and others harm? Of course you have, and so have I. And we know that God can come into those situations and he'll create healing and reconciliation. But what Proverbs is trying to get us to head towards is that the, the accumulation of wisdom so that more often than not, we can make sound decisions that keep us from those hurtful decisions and hurtful places in relationship with other people. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this series in Proverbs, you see, because there's so much more that God has in store and wants for us than sort of a transactional relationship that we think is just where we're escaping some kind of punishment or checking a box. No, our relationship with God is not to be transactional. It's to be transformational. What Jesus has done for you in living, dying, and rising from the dead is not just to save you from something, it's to save you to something. An unimaginable quality of life in a growing relationship with God that starts now and heads into eternity, characterized by wisdom. And this is pleasant for your soul. That deep longing that you and I have, the yearning for things to be right. For the more we find in a right relationship with God, wisdom enters into our heart, knowledge, that knowledge of God, that relationship with him, satisfies our soul. What an amazing picture. Do you believe it? What God has promised here? Are you in? Are you willing to go for it? To make space for God through prayer, through reading his word, through spending time with other people where you can share and encourage one another in this journey towards a deeper walk with God, growing and developing in his wisdom? If, then, wisdom. Father, I just want to thank you for the gift that you have given to us in your word. I thank you, Lord. You've not left us to try and figure things out in our own way. But you have given us, Lord, almost like it is a roadmap to, to follow you and to know you. 
And God, I pray that you would help each one of us where we're at in our lives, Lord, where we struggle. May your spirit come as we even take a baby step towards you. Would your spirit come to work in our will, both to do and to desire your good pleasure. Lord, that we would grow in our relationship with you and that that stored up treasure chest that you have of wisdom for us, Lord, would be our possession more and more and more. Ultimately, God, so that we can reflect you, become more like you and shine for your glory. I pray this. In Jesus' name.